Alright, welcome to tentatively titled Genre Be Good. That's right. <laughs> uh, this is, I'm Eric. I'm Chris. And so, this first episode, we'll just kind of define what formats we use for different, you know, entertainment. Um, I guess it would be specifically towards um, kind of like fiction. Right, you know? right, yeah. Um, so we're not going to get into like painting and that kind of stuff. Like, no, not, not, that's not that. <laughs> that's not going <laughs> to help us out here. No, not at all. Because um, there's no real genre in painting. <laughs> at least none that I'm aware of. I, I have no appreciation for the, quote, <laughs> finer arts. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I guess we'll start off with movies. That's uh, Yeah, that's one we're both pretty one. passionate yeah. about. <laughs> Um, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, movies break down into so many different, like you have, you have, you have your, your, uh, big blockbusters, you have your mm-hmm. art films made for TV, um, you know, shorts would also be mm-hmm. considered on there. So I'm not sure if you would define a film by length, because originally when I thought about right. this, I thought, oh, well, a film obviously has to be a certain length, but then do you qualify with shorts with that right. and things like that? So I mean I'm I'm not exactly sure there's something about films I guess the shorter they are or the longer they are the more mm. artistic they are like if, right. it yeah. a, if it falls in the 90 to 120 minute range uh yeah. then it's like pop culture <laughs> film but if it's 15 minutes or four and a half hours then it's like high art <laughs> yeah um yeah but the, I I feel like yeah, film is definitely unique in the way that you have to tell a story using both visuals and sound, and sometimes you can cut out one or the other to great effect. Right, yeah. Um, whereas, like, you know, with novels and that kind of thing, you'd have to, you only have the words to work with, really. Yeah, I mean, but also you have to consider the early days of the silent film, mm. where... I, I, there was no sound, obviously, other than right. some, you know, maybe a soundtrack of of music, and or a even guy before playing that, a piano. somebody was playing a <laughs> piano. Yeah, um, so I feel like the 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 terminology of film is, has certainly has certainly evolved with the the culture of, of yeah. who's uh, viewing it, and also the technology that is being viewed on. Yeah, um, and like in the early days too, they had it such a limited. Um, ability and what they could do on film so they kind of had to tell stories with what they could work with yeah if you watch old uh silent films and i've not seen a ton but i've seen right. you know like nosferatu and uh, uh, metropolis mm-hmm. um and a lot of the really early silent films you've, if you notice it's all one single shot no camera movements because yeah. the shutter <laughs> speeds were so slow and the camera was just in beast to move oh around. yeah it was it was the size of a house um so they had to be very i think it would be interesting to see those filmmakers mm-hmm. get access to the tech now and then vice versa to see who could sing and swim because <laughs> i feel like you you have to be a better storyteller to to uh, work in like the genre of silent film and obviously there are yeah. some modern silent films i believe the artist was a silent film that was released right. uh, in in modern age, um, 
but it, it 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 has to be this this incredible challenge to be able to like all right we're yeah. going to tell a story but we're <laughs> going to have all written dialogue yeah and i think that kind of bridges the gap between the difficulty of telling a story or rather the differences of telling a story between film mm-hmm. and books because you have the complete opposite ends of the spectrum where right. you know a book is purely just visual you have to read it you have yeah. to visualize it internally and then you know a movie is almost entirely visual and you just have to absorb it yeah and uh yeah with with films it's it's interesting because when you get into like uh short films they have to accomplish a lot in a small amount of time mm-hmm. yeah and it has to tell a very different kind of story than you would tell in 120 minutes you know if you're trying to do like 15 minutes or half hour or whatever um or even more so with the uh, i i believe in in um they do uh uh contests where people do like the shortest films they can come up with uh, and they're yeah. usually under a minute long yeah and and trying to tell an actual story mm-hmm. even in, you know in in 30 seconds yeah <laughs> Compared to uh, 120 minutes. Yeah, because no matter what story you're telling, you need to have a beginning, middle, and end. Right. And, and even <laughs> if that beginning, middle, and end are only five seconds apiece. <laughs> well, yeah, you even have the, uh, what is it, five-second films? Those. Yes, yeah, I totally forgot that about series? those yeah. uh, on YouTube. They were mm-hmm. they were kind of the the uh, beginning of the, they were Vine before <laughs> Vine was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so film is definitely something that, I think is still being played around with and people are still finding ways to explore new avenues of what wow. you can actually oh, absolutely. accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you compare uh, the age of film compared to the age, I mean, books have been around yeah. for, you know, eons, you know, where movies have only been around 125 years, something yeah. to that effect, not terribly long in mm. our in our existence and it and i i believe we're only now scratching the surface of what's going to be done with film right in the same way that uh you know i i think we're still discovering new mm-hmm. avenues and books but there's a lot less there to mine compared to film it yeah be way more I, I guess you say it's there's more opportunities to be creative. I was going to say it's easier to be creative. That's a bunch of crap. So I mean, there's way more opportunities yeah. to be different creativity through that than through the traditional. Yeah. Writing. And like with films, they're still, you know, finding new ways of approaching uh, the narrative and like the way that it unfolds. Like, um, you know, obviously Tarantino was big in breaking out of the oh, yeah. standard yeah. mold of like, Here's the beginning of the movie. Here's the middle of the movie. Here's the end of the movie. Yeah. You you often watch Tarantino films. You watch it in his order, <laughs> yeah. not not real order. But it does do something interesting when you see, and not necessarily talking about like when movies show like a scene towards the end first, and then you're like, oh, what's going on here? And then you right, find the right. lead up to it. But like, honestly, that, that that's almost lazy <laughs> at times. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like showing something from the middle of the chronological story and then going back earlier and like it kind of gives you an interesting light into characters sometimes if it's done well and if it's done well it also still and this is where it's hard to do it well it still follows 
the A to B to C right. storyline. Like you still, when you watch Pulp Fiction, it's it's all out of order, mm-hmm. but the story arc is still as far as beats go and as yeah. far as, as as the points you want to hit in a story. It's still a very followable narrative. It's still A to yeah. B to C. And even with Pulp Fiction, it's like even though the beginning is not the beginning, it's still the beginning. <laughs> yeah, right. like, oh, exactly. Exactly. Like, the middle is still the middle and the end is still the end. Like it unfolds in such a way that it still is the beginning, middle and end, even though the chronological beginning is somewhere in the middle. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I mean, the, the another example of a director or directors that do that well would be the Cohen brothers. Oh yeah. Often will have that in their movies where you're mm-hmm. watching it out of order. Um, and sometimes it's pretty ham-fisted, like the Big Lebowski. Other times it's a little bit better, like say Blood Simple. Yeah. Um, but they they do like to throw time kind of all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that's another. Thing. The Coen Brothers I've found to have almost a genre of their own. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like they they rarely fall within like this is a drama, this is a comedy, this is no, exactly. whatever. Like they're they're like. Tarantino and the fact that they're both you know mix match artists Mm -hmm. with genres it's just Tarantino likes to do it a little more on the surface whereas Mm -hmm. the Coen brothers they like to do it more with the genres of the films less with the storytelling per se if that makes any sense at all yeah but have you ever discovered any um, writers that do that in books crossing over you know for for movies and then doing that similar you know it follows an a to b to c storyline but you're starting with b um uh actually there is a michael crichton book that does that uh it's called prey i don't know if you've seen i've not i've not no not read it um well it's it's a book about like nanobots or whatever but the it starts kind of at the end and shows you just like these this family who's like completely sick and like vomiting and like doing all this stuff. And you're like, what is going on? (laughs) And then, uh, he kind of goes back and like shows you the lead up to it. And it kind of works well, but, um, yeah, yeah, I, uh, I haven't seen that too much. Uh, an an example that I found, um, uh, of a, of a modern book that I'm sure all my friends are sick of me talking about (laughs) is, uh, John dies at the end Oh yeah, where you, you jump to the point where it gets, Almost, it's almost too many jumps. <laughs> we were like, all right, there's a flashback within a flashback, and then, it, and trust me, it makes sense in the book somehow. <laughs> a flashback within a flashback, and then a flash forward. <laughs> it, it, you know, all in one segment, it gets very, very yeah. interesting quickly. Um, hey, all right, well, we were worried about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, it seems like a lot of books will either do that or they'll work with it in the kind of the the idea of starting like when when you read uh kafka's uh metamorphosis it starts mm-hmm. in the middle like he's already going through the metamorphosis mm. um but you have no idea what's happening it just keeps yeah. talking about a guy locked in his room and it's from his perspective mm-hmm. so from his perspective everything's fine yeah and you have to figure out throughout the story like he goes into flashbacks and things like that as to how he got there and why he's there <laughs> and what exactly is going on but it isn't something that I think happens too often in mainstream books where yeah. it seems to happen more often in movies. I don't know if it's because it's a more visual thing. Like, I don't know if it you could tell be just Memento easier. in a yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. 
it did start as a short story, but I don't think it was anything like right, what yeah. it ended up being yeah. as a movie. I mean, I, I, I can't, Im- and, I, and I also can't imagine that getting any kind of mainstream Oh, yeah, interest. there's I mean, no me- way. <laughs> Mento wasn't like a, a, a popcorn film per se, right. but it was still, people have seen it, people, people right, know about yeah. it. But yeah, I would I would say like uh in comparing books to movies, uh one of the definite limitations of movies, I guess, is that you can't necessarily get into a character's head at least the same way you can. It's with a, a book. it's a lot harder to do well. Yeah. Anytime that it happens, I, I, I always think about the book compared to the movie of Dune. Mm. Where the book is a masterpiece, people compare it to, uh, you know, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But a lot of Dune is in, not, you know, a good chunk of Dune is internal. People just thinking. Right. And then you kind of get the idea of like, oh, this person's working against this person and that person's working against somebody else and they yeah. don't know about it. And it's all <laughs> because it's internal monologue. It's way harder to do that. When you watch the movie Dune, they just jump into a guy's head and it's in just audio internal monologue yeah. and it just feels choppy and it yeah. feels amateur it's, it's hard to do narration right in a movie because yeah it, exactly it can come off just as like an exposition dump whereas like well there's all we had time for <laughs> i think the only time it works is in like biopics because biopics uh, have yeah. a hard time with a beginning and an end because un- unless yeah. the end is yeah. someone dying <laughs> if the person was still alive or they didn't want to keep yeah. going and that the end of a biopic always feels like mm. all right <laughs> that's <laughs> Which, just uh, the air just got let out of the balloon and that's interesting because when you think about like fictional biopics like forrest gump that's essentially a biopic it is yeah exactly oh, but it has I, yeah, a good exactly. beginning and a good end like it has like that it has that closure kind of but like it's hard to do that with real people, I guess. Uh, oh, I absolutely. <laughs> Even if you doctor up, like when I watched uh, Straight Outta Compton, there was mm. quite a bit of that story that was altered from the, well, not quite a bit, but there were details that were altered right. from reality. And then it still just ended with like, I, uh, um, <laughs> Dr. Drake's looking into the camera going like, I'm going to start aftermath and then walking out. <laughs> I'm like, am I supposed to be like chilled by that? I knew you started aftermath. Yeah. <laughs> like. You couldn't have gotten yeah. a better ending, a more personal <laughs> ending. But it, again, it's very hard to do. Yeah. I think the only biopics that I even found the ending to be satisfactory were were um, like Patton. Patton is an excellent uh, example yeah. of a a biopic where the ending is satisfactory. Mm-hmm. Even like Lawrence of Arabia, at the end, I'm just like, uh, I need you. okay, <laughs> <laughs> nuts. Yeah. And with that one, I mean, it's so long that like. <laughs> well, that's another thing. Yeah, at least patent is one of the short, shorter quote. It's still pretty, <laughs> pretty long. I think it clocks in at like two forty-five. Yeah. Whereas Lawrence of Arabia is closer to like what is it like three fifty yeah. something like that. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I don't know. I guess uh, yeah, with movies definitely. They 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 still got a ways to go. Um, I I think especially with the advent of actually, um, you know, VR, oh uh, yeah, you know, with like because everybody's got a cell phone that can do it. We just need yeah, and they're and they're 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 handing these things out now. <laughs> the the headsets that you can have. 
I remember watching movies as a kid that were like Johnny Mnemonic and stuff like that. Yeah. Thinking like, when's that gonna happen? And now it's, it's like, well, we're one step closer. I don't know if it'll be good. I yeah. don't know that it'll be quality, but I know that's an avenue. But then again, I mean, any time that something new in any kind of entertainment comes right. out, it's always schlock first. Yeah, it's never high yeah. art. People don't remember it's, that. It's like they, yeah, people don't know how to handle something the first time. It yeah, arrives. It's yeah. like uh, I don't know. I guess we'll try this. It's, yeah, it's um, <laughs> see what works. Yeah, I mean, some of our earliest writings that we that we still have. Obviously, we've mm. lost the the the. I think it's something like ninety five percent of the world's literature is gone. <laughs> yeah. But what we do have, uh, it's either historical texts, uh, religious, or just like smut. And yeah. that's, and that's what we have and that's what we see that's if what you, you start at, out with you look at the earliest versions of edison's films yeah it's all just guys boxing horse races people changing like <laughs> back when it was funny for a man to fall down in water in women's clothing yeah. that and, and that was the kind of stuff they were they were filming yeah um it wasn't they, they they didn't just kick in the door and make Nosferatu an incredible time right. in this film. They they made schlock. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of have to start out just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. Exactly, exactly. And yeah, I I, I agree. I think movies are are still still in their infancy mm-hmm. compared to all the other forms. I mean, you think of all the other forms of uh, audience entertainment, like right. like books, music, plays, mm-hmm. you know, the theater, and things like that movies are the they're the new kid on the block yeah and i would say even like i would say tv is probably further along than movies because well there's so much well, more of it well yeah that's the <laughs> thing like 24 hour <laughs> blocks to fill <laughs> like i mean you figure like it's only been around like half as long as movies yeah but yeah. like at the same time they've got to put out tons of stuff constantly and i think that's why you have less high art in television Mm. in fact i can't think of like there's not a ton of tv that is artistically driven yeah not not really the bottom line is ratings right um so it's kind of hard for somebody to get out there and be like oh i'm you know at least before the advent of the internet anyway Mm. my old school broadcast tv yeah you weren't getting artistic films Except maybe through like PBS, where they were doing like a public service. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Fox wasn't lining up to show River Dance. That shit wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. TV is mostly kind of catering to mass audience, and I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. You still find some of the best. I think t- where TV shines is comedy. Mm. I think yeah. that's where you get some of the best comedic writers. Yeah. Turning out for certain TV shows that are doing just like high level uh comedy. Yeah. Um now I I have fallen out of TV since the move of uh Netflix cuz it's just mm. so much easier. Yeah. So I have not watched a broadcast <laughs> TV show in like 10 years. Yeah. But um and even with with stream that and that's a whole other avenue. Yeah. Streaming cuz there you have the same idea of television but they don't seem to care as much about ratings. They seem a little right. more willing to put out. And so maybe that is the maybe that is like you were saying before TV's like younger than movies. Maybe mm-hmm. this is TV's time to move into high art uh, with yeah. the advent of streaming. Yeah, that could be. And yeah, with like 
with TV, like, on broadcast, you have once a week you get a new chapter of yes. whatever you're watching. But with streaming, it's all there at once, and you can watch it at your leisure. So that mm-hmm. definitely changes the approach they have to have for telling the story. It, 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 it also... Um, oh yeah, I mean it. it you're, you're exactly right with that. With that, where they don't have to, they still have to end on cliffhangers, right? But not so much, and they're free to tell more of an overarching story, right? TV has become the 16-hour film, yeah. In some instances, because yeah. I, I know if you try jumping into Game of Thrones at season three, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, <laughs> have fun. Whereas I. I remember a friend of mine asked me to get him into the original Star Trek. He was mm. like, hey, where should I start with uh, Star Trek? And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, you can start at episode two, and then there's episode six, and started going down the line. Mm-hmm. And he was like, wait, 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 I don't have to watch him in order? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, it was a, 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 this friend was a, a bit younger than me. Yeah. And I told him, like, no, why would you have to? He's oh, I just didn't know. I, I didn't realize that TV shows didn't have over. I'm like, no, it was all, you watched it once, and then you bailed. That yeah. was how it worked. Yeah. You could you could watch the first episode of Star Trek and the last episode <laughs> and it would still just be like, well, that's all. Yeah. Continuity. Whatever. <laughs> and uh, that's another uh, kind of interesting thing when they adapt TV shows into movies. Like once they like the nostalgia films and like like with Star Trek, even like a continuation of it in a different format altogether, yeah. like. They would have to. They had to tell completely different types of stories, it, like with the first motion picture Star Trek, mm-hmm, yeah. versus like the series. Oh yeah, the the all the the as a as a self proclaimed expert of Star Trek <laughs> films, uh, the the feel is completely different. Yeah. Number one, it's budget. TV shows well, yeah. have a way <laughs> lower budget than movies. Obviously, yeah. you could make an entire season of shows sometimes multiple seasons for yeah. shows with a even a low budget picture nowadays yeah. you could still do a couple like an average low budget picture is what like 10 million nowadays yeah. <laughs> and like you could do you could do an entire season of uh like it's always sunny in that yeah. kind of budget yeah for sure um but one of the things that movies have always had over television is their their less restriction obviously mm-hmm. there's no federal mandate on films right films are self-regulated by the industry mm-hmm. and i think that's where streaming tv shines because they are also self-regulated uh, so they yeah. have a lot more freedom they don't have to worry about sponsors they have right. to worry about viewership right and that's very different things exactly exactly if you're not worried about selling cars or you know whatever ad time you're trying right. to sell you can focus more on well what do our audiences want and mm-hmm. our audiences for this show aren't the same audiences for, you know, this other show. Like Stranger Things, yeah. most of those people probably aren't watching House of Cards necessarily. Because <laughs> uh, I know yeah. there are kids who watch Stranger Things. Right. I can't imagine children roll, lining up to be like, all right, let's watch a political drama. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it, it does open more up mm-hmm. for, especially, again, with, with streaming and also like HBO uh is also cranking out stuff like Game of Thrones and yeah. things like that, where they just allow for more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that yeah, that's another thing. When you're adapting from one format to another, it's very important to choose like 
what you need to tell the story properly you know like well like when they adapt books like do i it does this make sense as just a movie or would it be served better through a tv series yeah yeah and i i, I think that's why you often hear people always saying like Oh, the book was better. Mm -hmm. And I always think it's time constraints with movies. Yeah. Most books, especially really complicated books, you can't do in two hours. Right. Um, Or at least not do it well. Yeah. Uh, There are exceptions to that, obviously. Um, I would argue that uh, Stand By Me is better than the uh, story, the the original story. Same with Alt Pupil and Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I read that... um was it four seasons? Four seasons. Yeah. yeah, I read that book and I was like, man, all the movies are much better than these. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the stories are okay. When you, three out of four of those stories have been made into movie, and you're yeah. like, yeah, yeah, the movies were way better. <laughs> um, uh, also, I would say Interview with a Vampire was better than the mm. book. Um, I would think that's because they got Anne Rice to write the screenplay. I think when you include the uh, author, yeah. you always get a better. Yeah. Well, maybe not always well, if you have super picky authors. That's true. Yeah, it really depends because I think. The key with adapting stories to uh, from like a short story or from a book into a movie, to do it well, you have to respect the source material, but you have to be willing to change anything yeah, to you, make it work. You have to be able to deviate. That's why Marvel films are working. Yeah. It's because they've figured out the right ratio of, all right, how much do we stick to the source material? Mm-hmm. How much do we alter from the source material because it is a different format you can't tell the same story in the same format otherwise it would be horrible yeah like a straight adaptation like literally like words to the screen it it would be a nightmare yeah um they're different nobody would like it (laughs) yeah and like yeah another example of uh movie better than the book i would say would be forrest gump because i read the book and i was like ah this is kind of not that great <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, oh, this isn't really going anywhere huh? uh yeah it's it's i don't know this the the way they adapted it they made it they kind of adopted a little bit more of a serious tone but like they also changed a lot of different events and they dropped some of the more ridiculous storylines and just kind of i don't know made it work better as a you know movie like the way it flows right right because the book is a little bit meandering <laughs> yeah um i could i could see that <laughs> um but yeah you 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 often run into that with with you know on, on on the other end of that you you run into that a lot more where the book was always better than or the book is better than the movie you see right. that a lot more often yeah and again i i just think part of that is time constraints and Sometimes it's nostalgia. Sometimes yeah. it's it's people just liking something. Like <laughs> I, I I am on record in multiple podcasts expressing my dislike of Lord of the Rings, yeah. both the book and the movie. <laughs> it's a long, boring walk to nowhere, people. Um, but there you find it's been retold in so many different formats, yeah. and it seems like everybody who is a Tolkien fan mm-hmm. has chosen one of those yeah. uh, formats. And part of it, I think, is also whatever you were exposed to first. Oh, absolutely. that's the first imprint on your brain. You're like, all right, this is what it is. And then you go to the other format and you're like, ah, I don't know. This yeah, this isn't what I'm familiar. used to. This is, this is new and scary. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I completely understand that. Um, 
again, as a Star Trek fan, <laughs> I was exposed first to TNG, and although an argument could be made, it's not the greatest, it's not the pinnacle of the series. <laughs> I I disagree, uh, yeah. but it is entirely nostalgic because there are yeah. there are moments. I mean, like both in writing and visual storytelling, <laughs> and just there there are some horrible episodes. Yeah. Um, that are wor- way worse than any of the movies. Yeah, uh, but people still gravitate towards whatever they they went to first, and I gravitate towards TNG. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, I think within kind of movies and TV, animation is a whole other animal. Absolutely, I was like, hoping we'd get into animation yeah. as its own subgenre of films in general. Yeah, like it's like as a format like you have to i don't know it's a very strange line to walk between realism and completely off the wall ridiculousness yeah absolutely if you go too real it it becomes its almost own thing like like yeah you nobody would ever get uh something like a pixar film confused with like aeon flux (laughs) aeon flux is done in such its own almost realistic style compared to the cartoonishness of Mm -hmm. of other you know more traditional uh animation and it changes the tone entirely yeah yeah for sure and like you have uh like your king of the hill which is pretty much just a sitcom that's drawn instead right, of right, acted yeah, out. Like yeah. it could easily just be translated to real actors playing the roles. Yeah, there's there's but, never even moments in the Simpsons where you're like, well, that yeah. couldn't physically. There's almost none. Of, I don't think there's ever yeah. a moment like that in King of the Hill. Yeah, I don't think so. It's like but the thing is there's something about the animation itself that kind of has that charm to it that like I feel like if King of the Hill was a live action sitcom, it wouldn't really be that great no no it, it, it would be it would be um in my opinion just just there like it yeah. would just be kind of like oh that's just another forgettable sitcom yeah that nbc has right now that will be canceled in a few years right. um so there there it, there is the need for it to be animation but then and and I, I want listeners to understand there is a difference between animation and a cartoon. That's right. why we're not calling yeah. it a cartoon. <laughs> the Simpsons, yeah. uh, King of the Hill, th- those are not cartoons. <laughs> and I think that's important to make that distinction yeah. because if it were a cartoon, then it would be almost too far the other way. Right. And then if you look at something like BoJack Horseman, mm-hmm. which is a cartoon, yeah. but has incredibly... Adult subject matter. Right. They're, they're dealing with heavy stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, alcoholism and things of that nature. If it were more of an animation like King of the Hill, it would be terrible because nobody would want to watch it. Yeah. It would just be too depressing. <laughs> so you got to find that balance of style yeah. and subject matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's the thing. Like, The Simpsons can bounce around from being almost just like a straight up sitcom that's animated to doing stuff that no sitcom could ever pull off. Oh yeah, they know. they the they are the closest ones. They they just inch just a little bit towards the line of cartoon. Like they are on right. the right side of animation, but they they just get a little closer to that line yeah. of cartoon where you do have moments. Usually they break the fourth <laughs> wall. But you do have moments where yeah. all right, Homer will fly through a windshield <laughs> yeah. and walk away from it like it's nothing. Yeah. Uh, that has never happened to Hank Hill. <laughs> right, he's never, yeah. he's never flown through a windshield. If he would fly through a windshield, he'd probably have be like in the hospital the next scene. Yeah, yeah, know. there would at least be some consequences yeah. to it. Uh, 
And I think the... I think the... Uh, the 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 production company that does this the best that jumps mm-hmm. all over the place would be Pixar. Yeah. Cuz their stuff is cartoonish in nature like I can't think of a Pixar film that a kid would not be super interested in. Right. But they always well almost always cars too have <laughs> a subject matter that kids have no idea how to relate to. Yeah, they definitely like it's almost like they pick like all right, what's something that a kid might be dealing with? And then kind of explore yeah. that through a means of like, all right, what's kind of crazy story can we come up with for this? Yeah. I mean, in- Inside Out is a perfect example of that. Yeah. But then you also have stuff like Toy Story. The whole Toy Story series right. is just growing dealing up. <laughs> with growing up. Yeah. So it, 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 it's, it speaks to both audiences, but in a very almost different avenue where the kids yeah. are, it speaks to them through the cartoonishness mm-hmm. and the adults through the actual meat of the story yeah and it and it's just such a hard thing to balance mm-hmm. yeah and um I, I think there's definitely also um differences between like animated film and animated tv just i mean it's almost the same thing as the difference between just TV what you and tell- get away movies, with but yeah um and I, th- I well actually i think animation and tv is even worse because it's still people just can't seem to grasp that this is an animated thing for <laughs> yeah. adults. Yeah, like you see a drawing and it's like, all right, well, that's for kids. Yeah, and I mean, we really have the Simpsons to thank for that because they pioneered right. the the avenue of, no, this is a, yeah. a, an American adult sitcom. It's not meant for children, but it's right. animated. Well, I remember being a kid and not being allowed to watch The Simpsons yeah. because my parents <laughs> were like, well, it's 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 wrong and it's evil. Not yeah. understanding that, like, it wasn't for me. <laughs> it was for them. They just didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah, the kids don't understand that it's, like, you're not going to get, like, 50% of the stuff right. that's on. Right, I, I I heard one uh, individual describe it where he, he would watch it with his dad and they would laugh, but at very different times. <laughs> like, they never laughed at the same time. Bart would do something funny. The kid would laugh. Homer would say something kind of depressing. The dad would laugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that's uh, good. I I think um, I guess we should also get into, well, while we're on animation, uh, I guess video games, we could get into that a little bit. Video games is definitely the, the thing that high art has, I don't think it's gotten there yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah, video games is, definitely a strange um one too because it's like it's almost like a tv show but all at once right like right. like there's no break there is just you know 10 to 60 hours of you progressing through the story yeah. your own pace and, that, and 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 video games that tell a story it's really hard to get them to be considered i i, I remember when um Roger Ebert went off, mm-hmm. I forget if it was on his website or, or an interview or what, but he was going off about how there would never be a video game that was capable of telling a compelling story. Mm. And I think there have been video games that have tried. I have kind of mm. fallen out. I, I I have fallen to the casual level <laughs> of gaming where I'm like, ooh, there's a new fu- uh, a new game on the Android. Because <laughs> um, time, I don't yeah. have it. Uh, but... I, I, I do know there are games like Last of Us and things like that that have mm-hmm. tried very hard to tell a story. Yeah. But it still just seems to elude mainstream success yeah. outside of the gaming community itself. Yeah, it's definitely a niche audience and 
Yeah, like but, my yeah. parents love a good story, but they're not going to sit down and fire up their their <laughs> Wii and play a game. And they probably won't watch you play the game Lord, either. No, <laughs> that would be a long. That's, that's like <laughs> that's a tough feat there, just watching somebody play a video game. Like, yeah, <laughs> even if it's a good story, you're just like, all right, you're walking through some place, doing some stuff, yeah, shooting right. some people. Okay. <laughs> Uh, wake me up when the next cut scenes there. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, that would be better suited for uh, Metal Gear Solid franchise, uh, like Metal Gear Solid Four, where, it I mean, opens where up with like everybody's a watching minute. it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> everybody's watching the hour and a half long cut scenes. Oh my lord! Yeah, that that is a game, and and there's an example of a game trying too hard to be a. Movie. Yeah. I remember when that came out, and the gaming community was like, "Will you just make movies already? <laughs> like it's fine. It's this, yeah. you know, just make a movie because this is ridiculous." I know, especially when you sit down to play a video game, you don't expect, <laughs> oh, I got to sit here for 90 minutes and not press a button. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember like sitting there and like cutscene starts and I'm like, all right, um, eventually I'm going to have to leave. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> hey, yeah, I got to go to work. I like, thought I was going to have half an hour I, to Can burn. I pause this or if I press start, is it going to skip the whole thing? <laughs> and you can never yeah. watch it again. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's tough. But um, it's also interesting with uh, like kind of for lack of a better term choose your own adventure video games where like the choices you make affect the story itself and how oh, yeah. it plays out yeah um whether you what whether it's simple as like the old school games where you press a to do this b to do that <laughs> or more intricate stuff like mm. um oh, i can't think of an example off the top of my head at the moment but yeah there, there, there are games where you can take missions and do certain things and then that completely alters the world around you right um and uh, Heavy Rain is a good example of uh, like a a game where whatever you decide to do, like it gives you options, and whatever you decide to do or whatever clues you miss or whatever, it affects like future cutscenes. It affects like what trajectory the story takes. So, oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, um, similar to like Mass Effect, where mm-hmm. they're you know they're, you're playing through a story, you you've embodied a character, you can make mm-hmm. them do what you want to a point. Yeah, but you are playing through a story. Yeah, and I think almost video games almost have more in common with like a novel. I would say just in the sense that you're inside a character's head, you know, and you're kind of like I'm obviously like embodying that character, like playing as them. So you kind of get like a it with video games it's kind of unique in that you form like a connection with the character a little more easily than with other formats oh yeah um especially just because you are controlling their every move yeah um so like sometimes if you're forced to make a decision of like all right you got to kill this guy yeah who who lives and who dies (laughs) yeah oh yeah yeah i i I was never more angry uh at a video game than when uh my dog died in fallout 2 (laughs) and (laughs) i was like 16 years old screaming at my pc and mom's like what's wrong they killed my dog (laughs) we don't have a dog yeah and uh in the walking dead uh telltale game series um that, i imagine that's episodic. a light fun fun time for <laughs> oh, everybody absolutely yeah Man, fun for the whole family <laughs> that one there's uh one point where you basically have the option to like kill this person or kill this person because they're both about to ruin everything so <laughs> one of them has to go and you're like oh, well but i <laughs> can i not kill anybody <laughs> not it's <laughs> Uh, not in a walking dead no are you kidding me there's no happy ending in this but yeah like 
there are some times where like you have to make like that decision and then you just feel like dirty afterwards You're like oh man I yeah. didn't, oh <laughs> exactly. man i don't feel good about that but yeah that that brings out a whole different set of like emotions than just watching a movie where you're watching people like you know do whatever it you know or if you're like reading a book where you're even inside a character's head hearing them describe what they're doing or whatever i don't know it's definitely different when it's you performing the action oh yeah absolutely um as a fan of horror people always assume that i really love horror video games Mm -hmm. and i i can't because they're they're too like a lot of them are too intense Mm. whereas i've seen some really intense horror films and some of them were you know hard to get through yeah but video games i'm just like uh, no i I, I, not a chance i remember when i got amnesia and the first time i played it uh for those who haven't played amnesia on steam just do what i did uh go home alone turn off all the lights put on headphones play it for about 30 seconds and say nuts to this turn all the lights back on turn on some music or something because you're going to be horrified (laughs) whereas i've i've had movies that have scared me that much but i could still make it through them right um whereas some horror games just like yeah we're not doing this yeah there's definitely at least a form of detachment with you know films and books and that kind of thing. yeah 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 it just seems easier to put down i guess yeah yeah for sure um and uh well while we're in uh video games how about like tabletop rpgs where you're making choices as well that uh really depends for me personally on the tone of the game right um and 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 how much you as an individual get invest in it that's the biggest thing with tabletop games Mm. especially like pen and paper rpgs is it requires way more effort on your part to get into it whereas a movie or a tv show is just absorption yeah and Um, even a video game it's just they have created this thing for you to walk through right and you're just kind of doing it yeah pen and paper rpgs are interesting simply because you're telling a story but the characters literally can change the story as you create it yeah um and there are some podcasts that it, it, it podcasts is ex, uh especially where it's um prevalent because mm-hmm. it's way easier to set up a couple of mics and then uh, yeah. uh record a session of a, a game of D. <laughs> so there are several podcasts out there and i know a lot of people who listen to them who don't really care who have never played right. dungeon and dragons or any other pen and paper RPG, mm. and they love these games because they're just immersed in the story. Mm. Um, usually it's silly. Usually it's yeah. funny. <laughs> Oddly enough, if you try to make a super serious, dark, brooding <laughs> pen, nobody wants to play it. It's not yeah, as fun. It, as it definitely has to have an element of fun to it. Yeah, I mean, we we, we did a game of GURPS for a while, and I, yeah. I would try to make it dark and gritty, and then you guys would come up with something <laughs> ridiculous, and I was like, well, let's just, let's just be silly in this world of dark yeah. and gritty, because apparently that's more fun, and it was. Yeah. Because um, who wants to just play through... Life's miserable enough. I don't want to play a game about how horrible it is. Yeah, and, and I think if if with a tabletop RPG, if if you're having that kind of lighter, fun tone, even in a, like a dark world, 
no matter what choices you make, it's not going to make you personally feel bad. Like right, if you're right. if you're taking the whole thing super serious and it's like a dark, brooding thing, like you make a decision to kill somebody, you're going to be like, oh god, I feel so terrible you, about you that. You would hope so, <laughs> or or it's proof that you need psychiatric yeah. help. But yeah, like if you're if it's a more lighter tone, you could just be like mowing through enemies, like oh yeah, this, yeah, is, this great. is great. <laughs> yeah, look at all look, look at all the damage. Oh man. <laughs> But, yeah. but it, I I would also say it's harder to tell a complete story yeah, through sure. a pen and paper, um, simply because it's harder to have like you obviously have a beginning, but right. then the end is almost always nebulous. Yeah, it's like a point out in the distance that you might never reach. Exactly. Um, so it is almost like old school TV in a way mm, yeah. or maybe early TV when they first started doing the overarching storyline. There was a yeah. few shows that were on the, the cusp of that. I think like X-Files would be on there mm. um, where you could skip a couple episodes here and there, but you might not be mm-hmm. uh, completely lost with, with playing a pen and paper RPG. You don't have to pay attention completely because each game is its own thing, but there is this distant storyline as well yeah. just like uh, you know like an x-file or things like that mm-hmm. yeah um so all right we have a couple other ones left here like uh let's get into plays because that ah. is also a different animal altogether i have seen exactly <laughs> outside of a school production i have seen exactly <laughs> two plays you were in one of them <laughs> But yeah, like uh, a play is definitely different from like even though it's it similar elements as film, right? Like about the same runtime, same still basic visual. structure. There yeah. are scenes, actors being directed. Yeah, and it's like still like a visual medium with audio. Uh, it's still completely different because you don't have the luxury of like moving. <laughs> locations exactly. you know like editing becomes a real difficulty yeah uh, so with that. <laughs> it's basically like it's almost it's super dialogue driven for sure like uh, i mean way more than film it's like plays are all about the actors communicating what's right. going on and right. what their thoughts are and everything and even then it's like a little less realism in that the characters often will say things that they wouldn't say you know or they will they will like walk out to the fort you know on, on the front of the yeah. stage beam of light comes down and then they'll give you their inner monologue right. while the other actors are still milling <laughs> around in the back yeah and, and in that way it's almost easier to get an inner monologue we were yeah. talking about that earlier with how it's so difficult to do that properly with movies yeah i feel like it's a little more forgiving to do narration in plays yeah absolutely um you you can break that fourth wall. In fact, that's where the term fourth wall comes from. Right. You can break that, and it doesn't feel jarring. It still feels a part of the story. Yeah, because people are expecting that kind of thing. You know, the second an, an actor in a sitcom looks at the camera, it's endgame. When an actor <laughs> makes uh, eye contact with an audience member or even pretends to make you know obviously yeah. there's looking over a sea of people, mm. they're obviously facing them and talking to them. Yeah. They're, somehow it's it's not as jarring. Right, yeah. And, yeah, like, with, with plays, like, it definitely needs to be, a like, a super tight, you know, following a story. And, um, like, they, it, it requires a lot of 
a lot more suspension of disbelief than film, I would say, because of like they make sets and you can see where they are generally, but you kind of have to be like, all right, I'll fill in the gaps with my imagination. Yeah, it's like okay, that one tree represents an entire <laughs> forest. Gotcha. Yeah. Or if you go to see, uh, I remember in high school they they asked us to uh, go to a a playhouse where they did old school like almost Shakespearean style mm. uh, acting, and there you really have to suspend your disbelief because there's the set is incredibly sparse. Oh, yeah. It's like. All right, there's a stool that's the throne, okay, and this. So you really have yeah. to. But I feel that even though you do have to make that leap mm-hmm. with plays and theater, like traditional theater, yeah, I feel it's easier to make that leap somehow. Yeah. Um, well, there's less to worry about. Like with film, there can be so much going on in a frame that you're looking around and seeing like. And any one off. thing can derail yeah. <laughs> uh, a movie. Just even a simple yeah. extra doing something stupid in the background. Right. You're like, oh, now I'm remembering I'm watching a movie. <laughs> but yeah, like, w- w- yeah, with plays, if you're already like, all right, I have to imagine this whole thing is here. And I'm just, all you have to do is listen to the dialogue and just enjoy what you know, like the verbal wordplay or whatever. I wonder if a lot of it has to do with the fact that TV and movies have the benefit of editing, whereas plays, it's all live. Yeah. So things can go wrong. I was friends with, uh, you know, theater nerds in high school. Right. And they would tell me some of the stuff that would go wrong on stage. Being a high school production, quite a bit yeah. would go wrong. And I imagine the same thing to a lesser degree happens even at Broadway. Something can oh, go yeah. wrong and the actors have to kind of roll with it but then you as the audience are also expected to roll with it right. nobody would be nobody would ever stand up in a play and yell hey but i hear that <laughs> crap all the time in a movie <laughs> people do that kind of yeah. stuff always like you know but in in in, in a play you just kind of roll with it yeah yeah i think so and uh, like even within plays there's also the musical which is completely different thing as well because now we're talking live musical or film musical um either one but uh, the live musical like for a play uh well i guess in either case it's the characters are even more expounding their thoughts (laughs) through song and dance yeah like like they they would never say these things but they're just singing and then you just kind of go with it because like well, it doesn't make sense that they're singing, but yeah, here we yeah. go. <laughs> the, like for me, the first time I saw a, a a what I would call legitimate musical, because obviously all Disney cartoons from the eighties and nineties they're all oh, yeah. musicals, <laughs> but I wouldn't call them like like legitimate musicals per right. se. The first time I saw a legitimate musical, I was in school and we watched Fiddler on the Roof, uh, and yeah. I remember being confused because. <laughs> Tevi is out there walking around. There's this fiddle. I'm like, why is there a dude on the roof? <laughs> that makes no sense. And they had to, it's like, it's a metaphor. It's not really there. It's his clinging on to the old ways. I'm like, okay, now I get it. I was like 13 and <laughs> yeah. an idiot. But they're, yeah, they're, they're, you definitely have to suspend your disbelief enough to be like, all right, this entire town's going to break out in a choreographed <laughs> dance. And it's not weird at all. Yeah. Yeah, that, I imagine that's probably a tough thing adapting plays into movies as well, just because of the fact that, like, a play, there's so much, you know, internal stuff that's being spoken that, 
you have to kind of try to adapt that into a form where you don't necessarily do that, you know? Right. Like that, you don't have the luxury of that suspension of disbelief that you have with an audience that's watching a play. Plus, you also have the the issue of um, there are things like like we said there there are things that are way easier to do in a play that you can't do in a movie. There are mm. things that you can do in a movie that you cannot do in a play. There's no CGI in a play. Right. You can't just like all right, send that <laughs> off to the rendering farm. We'll fix it in post. Um, so they are two very for being similar ideas of audiences sitting and watching performers. Yeah they do come across in very different ways and tell very different stories. I can't yeah. imagine how boring an action play would be. <laughs> um, yeah, shooting fake guns and yeah, exactly. jumping around. Yeah. But then you take a, a, a play like, and I, I'm pretty sure it was a play, or movies that could be plays like uh, 12 Angry Men or right. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Yeah. Um, those are harder for average audiences to get into. Mm-hmm. I, I When I watched Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, I was astounded i was like this is incredible this yeah, is amazing for sure and i told my parents you got to watch it and and my mom called me an hour in and goes why are we still watching this <laughs> it's just guys talking and i didn't prepare them if i had prepared them and said okay it's gonna be just guys talking mm-hmm. they might have expected or accepted it a little better yeah but they were expecting a saturday night sit down <laughs> turn off your brain have a good time movie yeah um so like you couldn't I feel it's easier to make movies into, well, no, no, I guess not. Uh, yeah, they, it, it would be easier to take some plays and turn them into very play-like movies. Right. But like like in, in, in Bob's Burgers, when they have that joke about Die Hard the Musical, like, that would <laughs> never work. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, well, on the topic of musicals, I guess, what about just music itself? Like, I mean... In general, music just kind of like, like as a storytelling device. Yeah, like like the bands that I, I guess not all music is necessarily a storytelling. Kind I'll of say now medium, you're getting into but, concept albums. But yeah, uh, it would have to be like the bands that are like telling a story throughout a song or an album or something. Like they they have a lot of work to do. <laughs> oh, absolutely, that's a hard thing. And, and then to make it commercial as well yeah. is almost impossible. Very few bands have done it. I can think of a lot of bands that that mostly in like prog rock, mm-hmm. um, you have like King Crimson or The Residents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're often doing concept albums that are telling this broad sweeping tale. Yeah. Um, but then you have bands that do it that are like Led Zeppelin and Rush. They've done it. Uh, they've had concept albums. They're they're not quite telling as intricate of a story. Yeah. But they still have commercial success. Right. Um. I think it's ridiculously hard to, all right, we're going to sit down and, and, and write a song that has a message, that has a story to it, and then we're going to link it into an entire album. Yeah. Like, that. that's a level that's incredibly, <laughs> like, I could never do that. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like the, the tough thing is you got to make music that fits the emotions that you're trying to convey, and you have to fit whatever story you're telling into three minutes so it's like a short film right right but like uh then you also i guess at least sometimes they have choruses so you come back to a same mm-hmm. thing right and, exactly uh it's yeah it's just got to be really tough um but 
obviously like Mr. Roboto, that's part of a story. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it's super yeah. popular. But oh, like yeah. uh one of the Most di- people don't know that it's part of a giant story. <laughs> oh yeah, I've, that's that's the thing though. Like with a lot of these songs that are stories um or parts of stories, it's it's tough. It's easy to get lost in like just listening to the music or like right, li- right. You know, listening to the words, not even really thinking about what the words are actually saying. Just kind of like going along with it, and yeah, the 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 number of times that I heard Cream's "Tales of Brave Ulysses" before I realized that it was actually about Ulysses <laughs> is embarrassing. Yeah. But there, they tell in in a I think it's a four minute song. They tell the bulk of the you know <laughs> what Ulysses go through, and, I, and I, I believe it's the Odyssey. Or am I wrong in that? Yes, that would be the Odyssey. Yeah. So there, they condense several key moments, like him. Uh, being called by the sirens and things like right. that, they condense that into a into a four minute song that gets radio <laughs> airtime. <laughs> yeah, that's that's got to be tough. Um, I would say more than a lot of formats. Well, and also I, I've be- tried. <laughs> I'll, oh, I'll oh yeah, you, I've tried. Out of the two of us, you've you're the one who's actually made an attempt it's, at being a, uh, a musician, and it's um, very difficult. Yeah, I can imagine it's difficult, uh, and I, I think the big part of it is because music isn't necessarily a storytelling device. Right, it is a device to get across emotion, which is a part of right. storytelling, but not necessarily plot. Yeah. You can't have a story without plot. You can have plot without emotion. Right, it's not gonna be very good. Yeah, but you can't have a uh, you can't have a story, or you can have you know emotion without a story. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, all right, so. What about like uh, like a radio drama? Or oh, radio dramas. Yeah, those that's, have. That's I mean, that that is the modern radio drama is the podcast. Yeah. Um, and if you ever gone back and listened to some of the old, and obviously you have to get like the the cream of the crop <laughs> right. of radio dramas. I would say if if you've never heard a radio drama, it's super easy to find. Seek out War of the Worlds. Mm. It is easily infamous, one of the best. Yeah. Um, they still to the to the point where they still do. Like that, like they've done it multiple times, and they've had multiple disasters. Because that's how re- quote realistic it is. Uh, I remember having a CD of it mm-hmm. as a kid. I was like, I don't know, thirteen, and I remember listening to it on on, on a drive and just being astounded about how how yeah. good it was, even though it was made way before even my 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 grandparents' lifetime. I think, yeah. um, and I I have young grandparents. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it was still a good, compelling story. And if, right. if you've never heard any radio drama, I would start with that one. Yeah, that's that's definitely good. Uh, it's it's t- tough because it's one half of the f- film format. You know, right. you got you have to tell it all through sound. Yes, you don't have anything to look at, so you have to convey all at once the visuals and what you know, like the dialogue and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely falls in that uh, uh, category of, of genres that require you, the audience member, to put some effort into it. Yeah. If you're not willing to put in the effort, you're not going to get anything out of it. Yeah. Similar to, like, plays and reading, you know, reading right. books. Whereas TV and movies are a little more, not all, but some, right. are a little more forgiving. Yeah, uh, there there are, there are movies where you can turn your brain off and just watch. There aren't books you can just be like, "Well, time to just dump my head into a book and not think about anything." Yeah, um, yeah, like with with radio drama, they they even adapted stuff into that format from film or TV and books. Oh and yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah. if I'm not mistaken, I mean, I'm not as big into podcasts as I used to be, uh, being as I time. Yeah. Um, but there are still many, you know, big name radio dramas being done through podcasts mm. where they have the same techniques. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest difference now being that it's not all done live. A lot of people don't right. realize that most yeah. old school radio dramas were all done live. Um, yeah. With sound guys doing effects and stuff <laughs> like like you know, jingling cans for wind or things like yeah. that. You know, you, you you had guys doing that into a microphone live <laughs> on the air. Um, so technology has certainly helped with editing, absolutely. Um, yeah. But it's still this this very interactive form of entertainment. Yeah. Like you have to sit there and you have to think. Yeah, you definitely have to participate. It's like, you know, like there, there's like with film. You could watch a movie while you're on your phone and still get, get the, the plot gist and, of it <laughs> and understand yeah. things. If you're paying attention to your phone while the a radio drama is playing in the background, you're not going to hear anything. You're not going to hear. Yeah, you're going to be completely lost. Um, yeah, <laughs> it definitely requires you. There's a reason you see old, old like Norman Rockwell paintings of people sitting around a t a uh, an old radio staring at the radio. Yeah, that's because like if you, you picked up focus. a paper, you were done. Like if you picked up a book, you weren't going to keep right. hearing what they were doing. Yeah. Um. All right. So, in uh, kind of like with a radio drama, like maybe like an ongoing one. Uh, let's move over to a web serial, like. Ooh, web basically series. like the TV of novels <laughs> <laughs> pretty much um, yeah there that's really hard the, the hardest part about that is is getting more than your small group of, of like it's hard to find people to talk to about oh, yeah. like web series that you're that's reading incredibly so niche audience. Out. yeah <laughs> um, a, a web series may have 50,000 viewers, but they're all over the world, so you're yeah. never going to meet any of them. <laughs> uh, you're not going to be able to talk to them unless you go yeah. online. Um, tough to find your community. Yeah. It's also tough one. to find the quality stuff out there because oh, literally yeah. when everybody has a voice, and when everybody's got a voice. put out for free mm -hmm. and like yeah. you don't have to pay for it. Um, the, the quality control drops dramatically. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, it... <laughs> As someone who is aspiring to be a professional <laughs> writer, I'm finding there's a lot of garbage out there yeah. because anybody can put anything. <laughs> uh, if, if, in case you're wondering, uh, whatever you're into, there's fan fiction of it. Hate to break it yeah. to you. <laughs> I found fan fiction of the Great British Bake Off. Somebody's <laughs> writing fan fiction about anything. Yeah. I, I would say, um, I, I mean, obviously, I haven't read a ton of web fiction but I would say probably the pinnacle that I've seen is uh, the story Worm. Yeah. Which is, yep. uh, I believe, a million and a half words. They're about, yeah. It's, it's like all of the Game of Thrones books put together. Except about superheroes. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's really well done. And uh, what fascinates me is that the author – would commit to just writing like, all right, I'm going to write three chapters a week or whatever it is, like right. two or three chapters a week. And he would put a new one out every, you know, consistently like the specific day of the week. And to pull off a decent story in that manner. And in, 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 in that time, really tough. Oh, absolutely. Like yeah. having little editing time and like, 
all right, I got to pump out a chapter and I can't do anything about it once it goes up. <laughs> yeah, know, like, exactly. That's, I mean, like, the, in the time it, it, it took him to crank out, you know, three or four chapters, I think I got like one short story <laughs> written and edited. Like it takes, it takes a long time, yeah. especially if you're bad at editing. Um, so as, as much as I, I do, cause I'm, I'm, I am not a fan of worm myself, but I do have to respect the guy for sitting down and actually having the ability to see that the, the key was regular, Right. You, you wouldn't watch a TV show if you didn't know when the next episode was coming. Oh out. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the fact that he was able to stick with it, and mm-hmm. all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put out a new chapter yeah. every Monday night, <laughs> yeah. is is an incredible feat. I, I imagine if I tried to do web fiction, I'd probably give up a couple weeks in. Just be like, <laughs> you know what? I don't know. I can't think of anything else I'm done. As a guy who's making a, a, an attempt at it, yeah, it's uh, it's really demoralizing. It's uh, it, it hits you in the ego pretty hard. <laughs> Especially when you're like online, like, oh, we're, uh, my comment section. Zero <laughs> comments. Ooh. Mm, well, back to writing, I guess. Yeah. And that's, that's a tough thing with web fiction is like to find the miracle of like, an audience oh yeah you know, like there's a there's a lot of searching with web with web fiction it, mm. the, the audience is searching for good stuff because there's a lot of yeah. junk to sift through um and then you the author are are desperate for audience yeah and you're you're, you're both blindly out there on the web like trying to find <laughs> each other and it's so hard to do that yeah it's, it's almost just dumb luck it's a tough thing to like try to advertise you know like it's yeah. almost impossible yeah like how do it's how like, do you how do you go about that it's it, it yeah. almost has to be word of it, mouth it, it, yeah it has to be a luck of like somebody happening to stumble across your thing and then like all right well i'm gonna recommend this to my friends because it's awesome yeah i mean that's it's what like, happened to uh david wong the writer of oh, yeah. uh john dies at the end it was a relatively obscure, unknown book until mm-hmm. the director of Phantasm found it and went, yeah, I'll make that into a movie. <laughs> it became a cult success, and yeah. now he's a New York Times best-selling author of mm-hmm. two awarded books. So yeah, it can happen. It's just really hard. <laughs> Same with um, uh, uh, the was the The Martian. That was a web oh, series yeah? as well. Yep. Um, and that was actually done through a really interesting. If if I can go on a small tangent. Oh, absolutely. Um, what I read about how the guy wrote that, it was really interesting because he was trying to write, I mean, you know, and he succeeded in writing hard sci-fi, which is mm. the most difficult oh, of yeah. the science fictions. Absolutely. Because what most science fiction writers don't tell you is a lot of it's just magic. <laughs> um, where this guy wanted to write, all right, I want it to be as accurate as possible. So he would write a story and he'd put a chapter out, or rather write a chapter, put it out, and then he would comb the comments section sift through all the eh, crap and get to the why they didn't mm-hmm. like it and then he would go and edit it put it out do it again mm-hmm. edit it put it out do it again and he would just do that over and over again until finally the the people only could nitpick about stuff <laughs> and um you know he would just put it out there for mm-hmm. free and it ended up getting picked up uh i think by Rid- was it ridley scott uh yeah that produced so. it yeah yeah and and now the guy never has to work again, yeah. um, or he can work on whatever he wants. Yeah. But like that's that it just that's that's what can happen with a web series. It's, yeah. it's it's the exception. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's most certainly not it, the rule. It, very very rare uh, that, uh, that happens. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. I guess maybe the last one. Then uh, we could talk about 
comic books. Ah, I was wondering when we were going to get the comic novels. books. Yeah. This is your forte. <laughs> I, I am not a com- A lot of my friends think I'm some comic book expert. I'm like, ah, I, I, I know stuff about comic book <laughs> characters from video games and movies. Didn't read a ton of the books. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely its own unique storytelling device. And it's very hard. I mean, it, it, it's becoming more prevalent now, but for mm-hmm. the bulk of it, of its existence, it was a child's thing. It was oh, not yeah. considered art at all, like not yeah. even on the level of television or anything like that. It was right. it was the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, is uh, yeah, something that you buy for five cents and give your little kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this will shut you up. Uh, this, this is in lieu of a real book. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's definitely like a big mishmash of like other formats that also i don't know has its own thing going on because you got like internal character monologues in depending on what superhero or whatever right yeah there's different formats of that Um, and you know you got odd dialogue (laughs) you know like very wooden dialogue (laughs) very there there's a situation where the uh, the people who are writing these Marvel movies are like, don't take any of the because it's ridiculous. <laughs> if you read old comics, especially ones from the yeah. the fifties and sixties, oh yeah, oh man, that dialogue is ridiculous. It is, yeah. Uh, like read any Stan Lee comic and from the those early days, and every single sentence has an exclamation point, and it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's just. I think a lot of that was time uh, time constraints. Honestly, yeah. I mean, you're you're talking. That was in the age of the pulp comics. I mean, towards the end of the pulp right. comic era, obviously, and then the the comics, the what we know as comics, took mm-hmm. over. Um, but it still was deadline money. Mm-hmm. We gotta all right. We we gotta go to print at this time. I gotta yeah. have this story. The the illustrators and inkers have to have time to do their thing as yeah. well. Like it, it it's a lot more constrictive in time. Yeah. So you gotta communicate what you gotta communicate and. And do it's it like, quickly. Like, yeah. Sometimes that means the character's like, hey, I think I'm going to go over to the library now. <laughs> like, <all laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And also comics have a, a difficult uh, thing because for a long time they didn't end. Like, yeah. how, how many years has Peter Parker been a teenager <laughs> in some of the Spider-Man lines? Yeah. I mean, I know in the, in others he's a a married man with kids, but, but he's in still others, not like, like eighty years old. Like right, he, would he be. should be. He should be ancient. How yeah. old would Batman be? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, now, occasionally you do get uh, comics that are on on another level. I think of yeah. Alan Moore's work, right? Uh, to a less self-contained, yeah. To a lesser extent, Frank Miller. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to praise Frank Miller because he's a, a horrible human being <laughs> uh, and really loves swastikas for some reason in mm. his art, which yeah. is annoying <laughs> and upsetting. But he does do well in some storylines. Right. Um, so you you do have uh, authors who, who know how to tell a compelling story. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my boss... Uh, at my job who has been my friend since high school is incredibly into comics knows Mm -hmm. he has forgotten more about comics than i have ever learned (laughs) um and has been reading them since he was a kid and he's telling me that now comics are experiencing this almost this renaissance Mm -hmm. of all right well here here's the audience that we have we Mm -hmm. don't seem to be getting any more so instead of cranking out the same stuff. Let's actually tell a compelling story. Let's actually. Mm. So you'll have yeah. 
ridiculous characters like Squirrel Girl <laughs> who are actually telling a legitimate story. And yeah. not, not a dark and foreboding story, but a legitimate right. story of quality. Yeah. Whereas before, that was harder to find in comics. Yeah, for sure. Like, There's definitely a wide range that you have in comics where like maybe in the early days you have Spider-Man going up and you know Dr. Octopus is like <laughs> on the top of building doing some crazy stuff. <laughs> I'm going to take over like, New York right. City. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> evil. And uh but then later you have uh Craven the Hunter traps Spider-Man in a coffin and buries him alive <laughs> and then it's like all right well here we're going okay. this is where we're going. We're going, we're going, we're going here. Huh? Like, uh, okay. Yeah, so yeah, yep, they can't dark. all be the Watchmen. They can't yeah. all be super deep character yeah. studies in yeah, in in the human <laughs> complex. But yeah, like e- even within one uh, series, you can have the like ups and downs of like you know this is a super serious one. This is tackling real issues, or this one is just completely off the wall. Right. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and. Uh, so sometimes when it gets a little more serious, usually there's a little better dialogue. Yeah. But yeah. Even then it's like, sometimes it's like, uh, I don't know about this. Yeah. You, you, you don't see too many comics that can bridge those together and yeah. make it work. Um, the only thing I could think of maybe if, if you ever read bone bone no, kind of, um, you, you should, is it's very good. And it, 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 it is a, childlike comic it's drawn in a very mm-hmm. childlike way but it it is a legitimate story that adults can really get into and mm. they tackle some some not super heavy issues but real life issues mm-hmm. that you didn't think a comic would would tackle it's i i'd, I'd recommend it. it's hmm. very good yeah uh but yeah. again that that's one of the few most yeah. are either going to be really 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 quality <laughs> and serious or bombastic and, right. and nuts yeah you either have you either have V for Vendetta or Deadpool. Those yeah. are, the, those are the, the the two sides of the coin. Yeah, um, and the, also with comics, you have to tell stories like one picture at a time. You can't like so, I don't know. It's it's hard to like show like like motion of action. Yeah, it's to, it's also very restrictive in its format. There, there's not mm-hmm. a ton you can do that's unique. Yeah. In comics, you have to. I mean, you can change up page layout and form right. it. It's still just all right. You you have to follow these blocks. It has to be. Yeah. You have to take design into effect. Mm-hmm. Whereas with writing a book, you don't have to worry. It just you worry about proper paragraph layout. Right. You don't have to worry about page blocking yeah. like you do with comics. Yeah. It has I, to I be say... led, It has to be visually <laughs> easy to follow. Yeah, I, I would say with all the mediums that that one comic books is probably one that's doesn't have a lot of room to grow or like change much uh, aside from the stories that it tells yeah the stories themselves definitely do but as far as format is concerned they're just kind of adapting to to the technology of like well now you can look on it uh, on an ipad yeah it's still just a comic book page right yeah it's um yeah uh, like with film like they're still like, all right, well, what can we do with this medium? But right. with comic books, it's like... Well, what stories much, can we yeah, tell with this exactly, medium? That's yeah. really the only... That's However, the only I'm excited about comics with that because it is rarer to find serious comics. I think there yeah. is room to 
uh, expound on that. <laughs> so. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I guess pretty much covered every kind of storytelling. Pretty format, much. I mean, other I than the, the, I guess the only other way would be the traditional oral storytelling. That's true. Um, which, of course, all of these genres you know derived derived from from. i mean that was the original the original sitcom was some dude coming up and telling a story (laughs) in fact for the the bulk of our history has been through uh passing down histories Mm -hmm. or stories legends until they had a means to write it down exactly it was all you don't have to tell this over and over yeah it was all just you know tell just literal yeah. standing and telling a story mm-hmm. and that that's a genre if we have if we have time oh, to yeah. get into a little bit of it that's a genre that i think is still in kind of a little bit in the one-man play oh yeah but it it, it seems to have gone out mm-hmm. um i went to a, a an abysmal writing panel once where mm-hmm. a kid started asking during the q a section why like how can we get back to uh, like personal uh, in-person storytelling mm-hmm. like like you know the odyssey where it was all told through just passing it down from person to person yeah and and the writers just sat at the panel and I'm like I don't, that's a dead medium that might be a truly <laughs> dead medium in a way because no one's really doing it anymore yeah well, unless you're some lunatic on the side of the road shouting out of the... That's like the only place you could see. I guess street theater yeah. might be that, but maybe. I don't know. But yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, unless you're like a father and you're just like, all right, family, yeah. gather, gather around. Gather around. Put down your Android devices and I'll tell you a tale. Yeah. <laughs> I never want that to happen. Yeah, that, that's got to be a sad life there. Um. But yeah, so I guess uh, that about does it then. All right. Well, um, I, well that, now that means the next episode we're going to be breaking kind of genres down, kind of we'll, getting we'll, into them. Yeah, we'll we'll start with um, next episode. We'll do one genre, and should we should we should we announce that genre now to kind of yeah, get into like that? I was I had one in mind that I thought would be good. Maybe. Uh, Film noir. Maybe that Film would be a noir. good starter. Okay. Um, right. It's, been, it's been a while since so I've dipped my toe into that I, ju- pool. I just uh, read online that this is noir vember. <laughs> something. Sure. So, why not? Why yeah, not? Why it's not? it's, it's yeah. a month for something. Why not that? <laughs> Starts with an N. Yeah. There, there we go. go. Uh, uh, yeah. That's that's exciting. So that's I, I that's not, definitely. Gotten into a film noir in a long time. So it should be. Yeah. I'm going to have to revisit that, some things. That's one that we can definitely get a lot of meat out of i oh, think oh yeah absolutely there's a lot to dig into there quite a bit both in the 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 traditional film noir mm-hmm. uh, modern film noir and also just the how it came about yeah so I, got, I, I got a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> <laughs> all right well that's good we'll uh catch up with that next time and all right uh, see what happens all right <laughs>